Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. But as soon as you get that, you're going to need to start hiring more people, aren't you, Kasim? Isn't that like a logical Maybe. extension? Maybe. Yeah, either that or you could be like fat and happy. You know, you could plateau <laughs> and just let it sit there forever. And, you know, Tim Ferriss, four hour work week, beachside martini, margarita. It's thing. true. No, it's true. You could do yeah. nothing. Isn't with it that funny traffic? how, like, every entrepreneur I've ever known has an always moving goal line? It's always like, oh, if I can just get to the insert whatever randomness here. And then as soon as they're there, they don't even realize it. And then it's the next thing that they don't have. All of us, we're just like, empty vessels of want and need chasing this flag that like will always be do you know what the key to happiness is Kasim? do you know what it is mm, wanting less <laughs> it's being happy with what you have now there you go see the, that I doesn't the help our listener in a negative way <laughs> doesn't help our listener at all because they want more 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 well i do think this though is like once you like if I go back and I look at my goals, like I've gone like way past all my goals. <laughs> I never actually thought I'd get to this point just in a million years. Like, But now I'm like dissatisfied with the success that yep. I've had. So I fall totally victim to that a hundred percent because now I have this huge team and like I have to continue to grow. And if you're not growing, you're dying. And, you know, and if you're not growing, you're standing still, whatever expression you want to use. But it's also, it's like, if you're not growing, you're not creating opportunity for the people on your team too, which is one of the reasons why mm. we want to grow. Cause there's people on my team that have higher aspirations. Nobody can kind of go up to the CEO spot unless I leave or like get hit by a bus, you know, which, you know, I guess then Jen would probably take over my wife. But anyway, that'll be a whole other thing. The point is, is like, I think I grow because I actually care about the team and their development and it's actually something we're talking about here today is growing that team. So not an irrelevant comment there, Kasim, in our yeah, right on point, section. It's almost like we planned right this point. segue. It's almost like we did. You know, it's, it's almost like we planned the banter around the guest here today. So I'm uh, pretty excited for that. So if you're in an environment where you're taking all that paid traffic and you're turning it into or traffic or wherever you're getting it, all that stuff that you've learned here in perpetual traffic to scale and grow your business, and you are turning it into sales and business growing, you probably need people. And we're going to be talking about that here today. We're pretty excited about our guest, where we're going to be going into how she does it and how we also do it in our businesses, all pretty much virtual, but we'll get into that in today's conversation with Shana Weisinger. And we're going to be talking about how to hire and how to grow a fast-moving team, some overseas, some domestic, 
And uh, we'll be getting into sort of the pros and cons of hiring overseas and maybe even talking about some of the limitations and also some of the advantages. I think Kasim and I have some pretty strong opinions on that. And I think you're really going to enjoy uh, this show here. So stick around. We're going to get into that interview with Shana right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. So what is Ryan going to buy this time with Ryan all that just advertising bought the revenue? world's largest collection of succulents. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books influence and persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley, and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. We are here today with Shana Weisinger. Pretty excited about today's show because she's the founder and CEO of Repurpose House, which we're not going to be necessarily talking about what she does over at Repurpose House and a lot of the things the great team that her great team is doing, but what her great team is, how they were created, and how she's been able to assemble content creators and people overseas, and how you can sort of build a, a virtual organization doing what she's doing. And I think a lot of the listeners here, it really is true. Once you get that traffic, once you get those leads, once you get those sales, next thing you're going to do is you're like, holy crap, how do I fulfill? And how do I hire the right people? So welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Shana. Thank you so much, guys. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about what you do at Repurpose House and, and uh, how you've been able to hire the team. Kind of give us sort of a background on your story a bit. And let's get into this hiring conversation here. Yeah, you got it. So essentially what we do um, is we'll take any kind of long-form content, video, audio, text, and we repurpose it into awesome assets for social media. So they're all optimized for all the different platforms, the right sizes, captions, headlines, all that, all that fun stuff when you scroll with your thumb that actually makes you stop and watch. That's what we'll do to content that our clients will send us. So we'll go as simple as like, you let us know the 
little in and out points of your video you want repurposed, let us know your headlines, things like that, all the way to we have a full team that will go through your existing content for you, repurpose it, and then actually write social copy and post it to your social channels. So we have different types of talent that focus on different pieces of that puzzle. And like you had mentioned, some of them are overseas, some of them are US-based. And it was interesting and fun process to kind of dial in where all of the talent needs to come from and then figuring out how to get them hired and trained and making sure that they're really great fits. It was it was initially a task, but we've honed it in pretty, pretty well. And if we're able to help other agencies figure out how to do it, then that's a huge win for sure. So talk to us about how you like how you started. I mean, it was obviously it was you and then you added on <laughs> yeah. a few other people when you could no longer handle the capacity and just how the team scaled out, how you understood how to do this whole hiring thing, trial and error to finally prove out the systems that you have now and, and build a, a global team. Yeah. Well, to give a little backstory, my background's in video production. So like I went to school for film. I was like the only person in the family who knew how to run the camera when I was like 10. I would have like three VCRs in the back room editing video, not knowing that's what I was doing. Right. So I had a video production company for five, six years, and all I did was video for businesses. And in that model, I realized that I was the bottleneck because I was telling a lot of businesses no. Like they wanted this five minute long epic video that they were going to put on YouTube and think they were going to get like a million dollars from based on traffic. And I'm like, no, that's dumb. That's not how it works. Right. So I did <laughs> you a lot are of stupid. like, you and your dreams, you, <laughs> you want to pay keep me your money, money you Come moron. On. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that, that's literally what I would do. Cause I was just like, strategically, like you have to give, give, give on content before you now ask, like, don't get me wrong. You need to have like an about me video that it, you, you took seriously. But like, what kind of value are you giving? Why are people caring about you and your business? Like, so I did a lot of value-based content in that company. And then that kind of led to a, how do I make this a recurring model? Because video production as a company is tough to continuously get business out of the same folks, right? So I started to do just video podcasts where I'd bring people in studio. They'd have like four outfits. They'd bring in guests and we'd stack them and whatever. And uh, part of that package I was doing, I was giving these little repurposed assets, right? And the same thing that we do now, but it was a part of this bigger deal. So I was trying to contact podcasters to be like, hey, you should do video instead of just audio. And also it comes with all this stuff. And I kept hearing over and over and over again, they're like, yeah, we don't really give a crap about the video part, but if you only gave us these repurposed assets, we'd be all about it. We'll throw our money at you. And I was like, I heard it so many times that I was like, there's no way this isn't a thing already. Mm. And it, it wasn't a thing already, shockingly. So I was like, all right. And when I decided to start the business like that, like I had previously ended up in the hospital due to like stress and overwhelm because my video production business was exploding, but I couldn't support that. I was trying to, and I couldn't find the right talent to deal with it. And I was like, if I'm going to start something new, I cannot be the bottleneck. And I got a great piece of advice from my friend Russ over at Design Pickle. And he was just like, do not do the work yourself. Build something where you fit, like you, you can create the process, you can know how to do it, but you aren't the one actually doing the work because you will get stuck in that. And so I took that piece of advice and I built it from the ground up that way. Like I created the processes, I knew how it worked, I tried to make it as efficient as possible, but then immediately I passed the baton off to whoever was going to manage that process. So that was like the really first important step for me because I had been so, like, I love editing video, right? And I, that was a part of the problem. Whenever I would start passing that off, like 
I'd get frustrated and then dive right back into it. And then I would be taking it on. So it was create these processes. I don't want to do them. I definitely am not going to do them and be able to now document what that process is really, really well so that I don't have to personally one-on-one train somebody. They can go through our training portal. They can go through it. There's tutorials. There's literally step-by-step walkthroughs on exactly every single step that needs to happen. And to the point where there barely needs to be any communication. And that will help when you scale and when you train, when you have everything documented that way. It's kind of like, you guys remember like in elementary school when you would have the whole like, tell Susie how to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you have to be like, Susie, open the jar. And she's like, well, which jar? And you're like, oh, okay, grab the peanut butter jar with your left hand and then open it with your, you have to be like so hyper-specific about what like end of the knife to grab. You know what I mean? It kind of has to be like that in all of your training modules in order to make sure that people are able to be trained properly with the least amount of room for error or questions. Yeah. So I want to focus on something that you just said, because I think it's really important to the the foundation of the conversation. I've had this advice too, and I ignored it at my peril, which was <laughs> don't do the work, right? Like build a yeah. business where you're not the one doing the work. And every every single time I've ever been sucked back into it, it's always hurt me. And I get sucked back in, and I'm sure maybe you had this experience too. I get sucked back in because there's like a golden nugget there. It's like, oh, I'll be able to, you know, build this thing or make more money or, or bring on this great client. And then now you're you're in the weeds. So yeah. pulling yourself out is not not just important for growth. It's also the critical prerequisite for hiring. I have so many friends, especially people in growth stages, that are trying to hire a freaking unicorn of an employee. They're like, oh, I just need someone who's going to do this stuff. And I look at what this stuff is and it's like, oh, all the things without any standard operating <laughs> procedures, without any training, without any, you know, like you're talking about the, the, the workflow or the book or the help documents that they can reference. That's, you're not hiring an employee, you're hiring an entrepreneur. And it's not that you can't find those people, you can, but they're super expensive and they're not going to be here for very long. So before we get into the hiring, I think everybody needs to just pause and realize in, until you're where Shana just outlined, you can't hire for a role because you don't have a role to hire. You have something else. You're trying to bring on a pseudo business partner in a lot of ways. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, Shane. I'll pause there though. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I was fortunate enough that I had brought on Sarah. She's my COO currently. And she wanted to help build this thing with me. And she's very like analog processes, stuff like that too. So she was that person for me initially. And we were both able to be like, okay, now we need to create these roles we can reproduce over and over and over again. And so like, I did have that, which is great, but you're absolutely right. Like I couldn't have trained Sarah and everything she did because she was very entrepreneurial. She saw the vision with me and we built it together, right? Yeah, visionary but integrator kind of duo. It is. It's perfect. It's exactly what it is. Like I have the, all these crazy wild ideas and she's like, okay, but yeah, now let's figure out how to implement that. And it's perfect. God bless her. Everybody needs a Sarah. But beyond that, the roles that we knew we needed to create, we knew that they needed to be very specific. They needed to be very documented. Nothing was going to be ambiguous because you cannot scale that. Mm -hmm. So to your point, that's, that's a great point to make. Like you have to make sure that unless it's documented and you can repeat it over and over again, like your scaling is going to come to an abrupt stop. I have a counter to that. And it's not that I disagree, but I have a different way of looking at it. So when we first started, it was me and a VA in a basement. I knew that I had to create SOPs for all the stuff that was in my head. But what I also did is I hired probably too early 
And what I did is instead of me building the SOPs, I handcrafted the SOPs by training that person. And I hate doing SOPs. And he then did the SOPs, which then I reviewed and made sure that they were good and they made sense. So I didn't do them, but I had somebody in my first hire, which always goes back to this question. I get this question asked a lot. Do I sell them first or do I hire first or do I create SOPs first? And what I kind of did is I kind of did them all at the same time. I don't know if there's a stepwise approach, but what we found is that invention is the mother of necessity. And if you bring in new business, all of a sudden you're going to have to figure out a way to fulfill it. Yeah. And I hired people to fill the role, but then coach them up like, almost like five days a week and then had them do the SOPs. And then part of their ongoing role and responsibilities is like once we sort of took it out of Google Drive and put it into what's now Tetra and like a bunch of other sort of project management systems, they then continuously updated those SOPs because for Facebook and Instagram yeah. advertising, which is primarily what we do, all that stuff would always change. The screenshots would change. So it became part of their job. But I sort of did it as a hybrid to what how you did it because that to me felt right, but I also had to do it. I physically couldn't do all the work. I had to get the people in at a very rapid rate and they fulfilled, but also did the SOPs at the same time. I think that's, that's smart. I mean, ultimately I had to do it in a similar way to Rafa, you did like the initial stuff where I was like, is this a pro? Cause keep in mind, I hadn't started this business and done the work myself for this one. Right. So it was like, I needed to see if I could create something that had a really clean process and what that looked like. So to document all that up front for me while I was creating it, knowing I was going to pass it off, I think that it just depends on what part of your business you're in or your journey or where you, you know, at what point are you scaling? But then beyond that, as like we implemented new roles and as things evolved, Ralph did exactly what you did. Like, okay, Sarah did a lot of the documentation and the SOP building. And now same thing as you, each department is responsible for updating their SOPs consistently. Literally, they, they hear me say, I'm like a broken record in, in EOS. Like, did you document it? <laughs> did you update Flowster? Like, did you, you know, making sure that everything's super up to date so that we're not having to backtrack and go through things that are irrelevant now. So, so yeah, I mean, it's like, I feel like there's ebb and flow to how it's going to work for each business. But as long as you're doing it or somebody's doing it in some capacity, it's unbelievably important. And I think we're all saying the same thing. I think it's, we're going to build the process before we scale hiring. So in the beginning, you can have the unicorn or the Swiss army knife who, you know, was sort of doing a few things, but then once you want to isolate that role and scale up the hiring, you have to have the process first. So once you do that, how do you get the right people in the right? So it sounds like your attraction person too, which is the next sort of step for me past that stage was actually hiring a VP of ops, which yeah. then eliminated a lot of my necessitating to do any of the SOPs. And that was really his job. And what he ended up doing is almost like worked himself out of a job because he was so good at it. Then he realized like, I need to go on and do other things. And we've still been like really, really close ever since then. But the point was, is at that stage of our growth, like having that kind of VP of ops person, we now have, you know, a COO, like sort of changed and, and morphed over time. But the same idea holds true is that you do need that person who's more process driven. It definitely sounds like, you know, the three people that are on this call are more like the visionary type. Although for years and years, <laughs> I resisted that whole like rocket fuel VTO, like you gotta have a visionary, you gotta have an integrator. I'm like, I'm both. Come on, man. But 
then we kind of got to that <laughs> size where I'm like, there's no way I can keep doing this. And I'm really not that good at it. So I think every step sort of has its stage of growth. But the point is having that type of person, having that sort of alien being, you know, and it sounds like you've got it with with your person is so vital. And if you're going to scale, you're going to have to have that kind of structure, especially if you're doing repeatable processes over and over and over again. And then it even goes into the process and the SOP for hiring. That has to be standardized as well until you grow as a business to eventually get an HR person that can then handle it because you're the one that's doing the hiring or maybe that integrator or VP of ops is doing it for you. So every step has sort of this evolution of new different roles. The point is, is having that visionary and integrator operations person is so key to scale. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs like myself included, guilty as charged, resisted it for <laughs> so long. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, when, when Sarah came along, I was grateful because I know that like I can be process oriented. I love, I love me a good SOP, but like, I like the creative process. I like creating stuff. I like, is this going to work? And I need, what's great about her. She's absolutely the end of Mayang where she can be like, yeah, that's all wonderful and fluffy, but in practice, <laughs> how's this going to get to this? How are we going to get from A to Z without like skipping 15 letters? It's cool because we can duke it out a little bit and all land on something that we're both really happy and excited about because we respect each other and know like that we're both coming from places that are intelligent and like in the best interest, but we also have to land on something that works on both sides, which is she was definitely like, there's no way that that we would have been able to build what we did without Sarah there from the beginning and being just a massive part of creating all of it. So yeah, if you can find your unicorn, your operations, like, you know, put one step in front of the other person, hire them and pay them whatever, because they will help immensely, immensely. I cannot put a value on her at all. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In a good way. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think a lot of a lot of people maybe listening to this show are resisting that too. It's like it's okay oh, to ask for outside help. It really mm -hmm. actually is. I mean, I am the last person in the Game world. Changer. My wife always just like rips me on this one. If Waze isn't working or for whatever reason, like you will never, ever ask for directions. Like, and she'll be the first one to get out of the car, like going to the gas station, ask a complete stranger, like, how do you get to here? I mean, it's less of an issue now, but the point is, is like, that's like deep, profound, like I need to do it myself kind of thing. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, are hardwired that way. Get over yourself, really. <laughs> Hire smart yep. people whether it's internal team or, hey, self-serving, whether it's hiring an outside marketing agency or an outside agency to do something where you don't, there's gaps in your expertise, you should do it because yeah. the, the, what you pay right now in costs is an investment into the future and the growth of your company. All right. Well, he, we are here with Shana Weisinger. We've been talking about the importance of integrators, VPs of ops, SOPs, should you hire first? Should you create the SOPs? Should you sell as much as possible, then fulfill all sort of thorny issues for businesses like yours or companies like yours? Because once that traffic starts turning into sales, this is going to be your new reality. So after the break, though, we're going to get into the actual process that Shana uses, as well as maybe compare and contrast it a little bit with what Kasim and I do in our businesses, how to hire top tiered people, like the right people, the right seats in the bus, the A player mentality, and how you do it in a virtual 
world right after we pay for Ryan Dice's brand new blue blazer. <laughs> I think he needs a new blue blazer. Like a he wears coat or a, too many car. of the same ones. No, just a, bla- no, just a, bla- just a, a blazer coat. that he wears. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, he needs to like oh, step up. Like okay. Yeah, something like, you know, really expensive. He's been wearing the same yeah. one for a while. All right, so Ryan's going to pay. Forward in his life. It's not quite as interesting as succulents, but you know what? Forget it. We'll be right back after this quick break. <laughs> hey, it's Gossam here, and I have another question for you. What would your business look like if you had 55% more traffic, 67% more leads, and 30% more revenue on top of what you're already producing? Would that make a big difference in your bottom line or even your bank account? Well, those are the statistics for businesses that blog consistently. And I think the reason is simple. It's because Google wants to recommend websites with helpful content. Here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and write blogs. And even if I did manage to get enough words on the page, none of it's going to be any good. So if you're in that same position, I want to recommend our buddies at BKA Content who will write all of your blogs for you. They'll do all the research and all the writing. So all you have to do is copy and paste. If you want to try them out, they're giving PT listeners 50% 50% off. That's 50% off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. All right. Well, welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We're here with Shana Weisinger. We're going to be talking about her hiring process especially how you do it overseas. How do you hire people if you can't physically meet with them face-to-face? That's sort of a big one, I think, for physical businesses. Probably a lot of post-COVID businesses like, how do you actually do that? I need to look them in the eye. You know, I need to have a stack of resumes and have them come into my resume and just do like a, you know, 12 interviews in a day. That seems very old school to me. It's certainly something that I used to do. But how do you hire both remote, both domestically and overseas. Like what's your, what's your process? How did it start? Like, what does it look like now? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you got it. I mean, that's the biggest part of it. Like you can have all of these SOPs, but if you don't have the right people you're plugging into relevant, right? So I had the, well, one thing that I learned in my prior business is the value of listening to people who have done awesome things before you've done them, right? Like I had the good fortune of being hired to go do video production in the Philippines for Design Pickle when they were having a hiring boom. But they brought me out to film one of their big events out there for the staff to do recruiting videos for them because they couldn't hire fast enough. So I had an opportunity to chat with Russ about how he was doing it. And I didn't want to recreate that wheel. Like you already built it and it's working. So how can I implement this and what I'm going to build moving forward? And one thing that he had said is, you know, you hire based on culture, like, and I loved that because I'm like, yeah, because it's not a great culture fit. Like if you don't want to, if you don't want to sit with them, you know, in a layover at an airport, then you don't want them on your team. So we made that the first part of our process. We also wanted to eliminate people who are going to make really negligent mistakes straight out of the gate. So initially we asked for a couple of things initially. So we asked them to film a short video that tells us why they want to work for us, something awesome about them. We ask them to look at our core values and tell us the two things that resonate with them the most and why. So that's going to give us kind of a, is this, is this a cool person? Like, do we even want them on the team? And then we have really specific instructions. It's like, send an email to this person, CC this person on it, subject line says this, 
include a resume, include video link and, you know, anything else you want to say in the email. If we get an email that doesn't have the correct subject line or is not, has the CC is not like CC the proper person, they don't even go to the next step. It's thanks for, you know, trying, but we focus very, very heavily on attention to detail and it's just not going to be a good fit straight out of the gate. We're only including people who we are hoping are going to be paying attention and actually being able to like do the SOPs to the fullest extent. So once we get all of that and we say, hey, they're going to be a great fit just based on these things, then they actually do a Zoom interview. Initially, I was the person doing the Zoom interviews. I rem I vividly remember the ones that I did um, because they most of them still work for us, which is really cool. One of them, actually, our first one is now our HR manager, which is pretty cool. Um, but I would talk to them personally. We'd chat for like 15 minutes about, you know, what the job entailed. I was really upfront about it. Hey, it's it's redundant work. Like it's not a ton of, there's not a huge skill set necessary. Like you need to understand how to do some graphic design. We're going to train you on everything. And they get a chance to ask me questions. I get a chance to ask them questions, kind of give them a rundown on what it's going to look like. And then um, this was like the, the best part of it for us. We put them through our full-fledged three-day training. So we, we, pay them for the training and we tell them up front, listen, we're going to pay you for your time. Well, we're going to pay you well, and we're going to reserve the right to bring you on board or put you on a bench so that you're ready to rock and roll when their client load supports it. We're just hired. We're interviewing preemptively or, you know, thank you for your time. It's just not going to be a good fit. And what's great about that is I'm not putting clients on this person's load without knowing if they can do the work or how they're going to do the work or if they can communicate properly or follow instructions. So I'm, I'm mitigating that risk. I'm paying a little bit up front, but I'd rather pay a little bit up front to know those answers than to pay in the form of my client's mad or work's getting done improperly or my team is upset because this person's not carrying their load. So once they get through that training, that's where we make the assessment. And that's going to be based on whoever they're you know talking to, who they're delivering the assets to. We have like a whole um, like trial asset piece that they have to go ahead and build it themselves through like the step-by-step -step process. And um, then once they're good to go, if they're a great fit and they're a hire, they're either on the bench or they're ready to start immediately. And part of that process is like getting them into our teamwork platform, getting them into chat, things like that. Like they're already in it because they've been communicating in it. And it's literally just plug them in and get them into our training team then. And then they're off to the races. So they just have a little more attention and they have less clients on the training team so that they're able to like get more consistent and understand the SOPs, make sure that they're clean and clear and they stay there until, you know, a new hire comes in. So they kind of replace them and they move on to a more established team. Shana, just out of curiosity, I know this is in the weeds, but I think it's important um, for our listeners if they wanted to try doing something like this. You're hiring in the Philippines. What, where are you posting these jobs? Is it all onlinejobs.ph? Oh. Do you have a couple of directories you can point us to that you like? Yeah, great question. So initially we started on Upwork. Now I advise against that because we found that what was difficult because we're hiring full-time employees. We are not paying them through a plot. We're paying them through Payoneer. Initially that was PayPal. Um, and the tough thing that we had to get around on Upwork or platforms like that were that they couldn't get, we had a hard time convincing them to get out of the gig mentality. Mm. So like we wanted a full-time employee. We wanted a, you know, an eight to five commitment Monday to Friday. And we're, we're on that platform. We were dealing with a lot of people who just did not, they didn't feel comfortable with that. It's not how they had been working. Um, they wanted to do side gigs and pull from that. They didn't really trust taking it off of the platform because the problem is we're they wanted us to pay them on 
on uh, Upwork and they charged their fees and it was just a whole mess, right? And plus like the mentality just wasn't there. It was, it was like putting a square peg in a round hole. We started to lean into um, Indeed, actually. Indeed did really, really well. For, we still recruit from Indeed. Um, and it's just, you set your location, we put a really clean job description that takes them to the landing page. And, and that's really been the, the majority of how we've been recruiting. That's a pro tip. I've never used Indeed in the Philippines. I've always used online jobs. Right? But I, you know what I've noticed about online jobs is I've run out, basically. Like, we've hired, done so much hiring um, that I think I feel like I've exhausted that database. So that's really good for yeah. me to know, too. Next question is a little intrusive. Well, I mean, you know what uh -oh. I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll turn it around. I'm going to I'm gonna mirror something at you, and then you can decide how it is that you you dance around this. Okay. You know, you can throw it at me. I can okay. take it. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, so I have a very similar process, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through, a lot. Sure. And what I've noticed is unless I'm paying significantly more than the market, nobody jumps through those hoops. Curious as to whether or not that's been your experience, too. I mean, we haven't had a, an issue on the, especially on the Philippine side. It has been pretty smooth. We, I mean, we pay a, we pay a little above market. We don't go like crazy on it. Um, well, just, I'm going to put it in round numbers. I, what I've noticed is uh, people are willing to pay like 500 bucks to a thousand for a Filipino VA full time. A thousand yeah. is high. I started a thousand, so entry, and um, I've got employees that started at 2,500, depending on. Uh, the role I was looking for and how specific it was. And so I've yeah. you know, gone 2X, 3X, um, and and that's been really helpful. And then I've also had people throw barbs at me saying, oh, you're ruining the ecosystem. And in my, in my mind, I'm like, good. Like, let's go make <laughs> yeah. sure these poor people in this emerging nation are actually making more money. Um, sure. I, I don't know, again, but but I, I have noticed that if I stay at that like $500 a month line, uh, or even bump it up 600, 750. That my, the and I've now now I've never tried Indeed, so it could just be the well has run dry on me. But I don't get nearly yeah. as many submissions. Is yeah, that for I VAs mean, we, or is that for buyers? Well, all my traffic managers, anybody actually running Google Ads, they tend to be elsewhere. What I've used the Philippines for is uh, creative resources, so uh, web maintenance, for instance, graphic design, video editing. My video editors in the Philippines. Um, and then I've actually got like, you know, uh, for my Montessori agency, my client manager, both of them, they're from the Philippines. Um, they make much more, but they're front facing. You know, you have to yeah. tend to, this is going to get dicey when I start to say this, but uh -oh. it's something. So <laughs> I guess this is part of the reality, right? Um, sure. If and when you're looking for somebody that has phenomenal English proficiency and you could put in front of a US based client, uh, that alone commands a premium from a salary perspective, at least in my experience. So I'm just kind of curious, Shana, and I'm, I'm looking maybe for more for coaching than anything else, if you've had sure. the, the same experience. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right in the sense of it, the skill set is going to slide on that scale, right? So it's like, if, if they are forward facing, if they are speaking to clients, which the vast majority of our, like the base level, the entry level for repurpose house on the Philippine side is a content hacker. Um, just in that department, we also have like social post gurus and um, and um, caption pros. But as far as like what we generally hire for because it scales so quickly is the content hackers. Now they the only they're quote unquote client facing, but most of that's based on canned emails that they just send back and forth once assets are done or if people have questions. So they're not like on video or really communicating outside of canned messages that are already written. Also, their graphic design knowledge doesn't have to be ex ex like excessive. To be very honest with you, I don't really want like the the Philippines' best graphic designer because they're going to be bored doing what they do at my company. 
So what we're, the way we've kind of positioned it is we're offering a full-time opportunity with benefits, with like set hours, things like that. Um, at a higher, I mean, we're not at $1,000 a month. We're a little bit below that um, with a lot of room for internal growth too, because we've scaled so rapidly, we're able to say, listen, we promote from within. And in many cases, you can get promoted within the first six months to a year of you working here. So oh, one um, thing I should add I think, though, is you, you let them work uh, their own time zone. When I hire, yes. they're generally working, not us hours, but off hours. And so I have to pay a right. premium for that too. If I, if I went the Filipino time zone, I, I could, I could be far more aggressive there. For sure. And that's absolutely right. It just really like, it just depends on how many additional things are you trying to stack right. on top of what their baseline expertise is. So for us, we're looking um, on that baseline, graphic designer ish experience. Cause we can train in what we do because it's not really like we have a whole quality control team that they're going to go through that training with. Also they're working their own time. They get benefits Monday to Friday. Like it's not, we're not asking the world. We wanted to make it a really kind of cushy experience, mm. if you will. Right. Well, it so like we can get like away with people too. Away. That's the other thing people well, hire yeah. offshore, are they, they hire offshore labor and then they treat them like an email address. It's just, yeah, it's just it's a dumpster horrible. proxy, like, oh, do this. And when you treat people like people, yeah, I think you get a lot more out of them. Yeah. And, you know, I really got to see that first. Like, I I had never really truthfully considered a whole lot of international hiring. But, um, like, I, I had, like, a video editor in the Philippines when I had my video production company. But, like, going to the Philippines was a – opened my entire world up. Like, it wasn't like I had thought – I don't even know what I thought in advance of that. But, like – they totally stole my heart when I was there. We had 85 people and I'm video, like videotaping. Oh my God, what, how old am I? Um, but I'm like actually capturing footage of these people talking about how this company has changed their lives because they're able to live their lives and feel supported and feel like human beings who are working like normal jobs. They feel like they have security. And I, I mean, I'm crying behind the camera capturing them telling their stories just about working for this company mm. and i was like this is amazing and so just the simple things i realized were going to go a long way when like when hiring internationally like you have to consider that and i think that our retention rate shows that that really really works so when you mentioned benefits it, it's uh, when people think about the philippines they're you know, they're kind of paying by PayPal and it's just a, like the custom says, it's an email address in a lot of cases. So benefits, you're obviously fundamentally changing their way of life and their, their quality of living. I mean, this, which is amazing having hired a lot of Filipino workers for, for our company. What benefits do you offer? I'm curious. Yeah. So we couldn't offer like a quote unquote universal healthcare package because like it's international. I wouldn't be able to keep up with what that looks like. So what we do is we offer like a health payment, a health and wellness payment every month. So, you know, once they're with us for the 90 days, it's the same as the U.S. side, they will get an additional payment at the first of the month to help subsidize any kind of health or wellness initiatives that they've got going on in their lives, right? And we're not going to like say we need proof or evidence of whatever, like use it how you need to, right? Mm -hmm. um, we also reimburse for internet because we need them to have the highest speed internet in their area. So we also do an internet reimbursement the first of the month as well. Um, we make sure that they have pocket Wi-Fi because a lot of the times in the Philippines, storms and things like that will cut Wi-Fi. The power is really sketchy out there in a lot of the areas that we have a lot of staff in. So we make sure they have pocket Wi-Fi so that they're always able to be aligned as you know at the most possible way. 
Um, and then time off benefits. So we do mental health days and we also do PTO and all that again kicks in at 90 days. So like they get to have the full, the same work experience that we have on the U S side, we want to make sure it's happening in the Philippines because they are just as valued and coveted as our U S workforce. Mm. And then you do the 13th month as well. What's the 13th month? Oh, the 13th payment. Yeah. The doubling of the salary at year end. Do you, do you do that or no? No, no. Okay. The 13th month. Well, I mean, we do like year end bonuses, but it kind of comes into the form of whatever the company did that year. Yeah. They definitely get wrapped into bonuses for sure. Yeah. I don't know if it's still called that, but we've been just doing that for 15 years. I took what's his face is training on online jobs. And he says that everybody in the Philippines gets a 13th you know, month payment or, or, or basically your full salary for the end of the year. And we've been doing mm-hmm. that as well. Which is like really? a year-end bonus. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we give a year-end bonus depending on what our profitability is. But I mean, yeah, for those particular workers, it ends up being like, you know, a full month's payment, which is... Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely a year-end bonus, again, based on the company stuff. But yeah, that's funny because I feel like if that was a like a traditional Philippine thing, at least somebody at my... One of my leaders would have been like, hey, 13th month, Shana. I hope they would have. So my, thanks, my I'll bring that up next to you. My guys never... <laughs> Like, like, am I getting it this year? Like they always ask. Oh but, my god! Yeah. Anyway, no, but it's it's great. Like funny we do it anyway. This is like it's a conspiracy. Great. Like a couple of guys got together at the water cooler. Like, what yeah. if we can convince like, them? Burns. Yeah. And yeah, Ralph we'll and I were just a part of the him. wrong like email train. Yeah, that's it. Oh my god! It's well, I'll, good. I'll circle back and let you know if they've heard of it in my side. So. So Sounds good. So um, this has been great having you on, and obviously Thanks. you've got some interesting things going on with digital marketer right now. Tell us about that, yeah. and then also where people can uh, find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to be a guest co-host, if you will, on the Digital Marketer podcast um, yeah. for a little bit. I'm super excited about that. I get to bring some of my awesome friends and cronies on to talk all things uh, marketing, which is going to be a good time because it's always great to catch up with friends. And if we're giving value, it's even better. And then if you know, if anybody wants to kind of see more of what's going on here, I obviously I can consult and help other businesses who are looking to scale internationally or internally. Um, just shanoweisinger.com is the spot. You're going to see some stuff there. Um, and then repurposehouse.com. Like if you want to see kind of what we've built and how it works and what we offer with everything we've talked about here, that's where you're going to find all that info. That's amazing. So uh, everyone here at Perpetual Traffic, make sure that you do head over to perpetualtraffic.com and we'll have all the uh, show notes as well as any resources that we mentioned here on the show and a way to connect with Shana as well. This has been absolutely tremendous. A non-traffic-y kind of episode, but I think the exact (laughs) type of episode that the Perpetual Traffic listener has to listen to and has to understand because I'm sure... Most people listening are going through the challenges that um, that we all are, and you've offered some tremendous solutions for, especially on the staffing side of the equation, sort of taking a step back and looking at the business and how you all put it together to deliver awesome results for your customers. So thanks so much for coming on this week. Let us know how we can do better by going to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. And of course, subscribe and leave a rating wherever they, you are listening whether that's iTunes, whether that's Spotify, whether that's iHeartRadio, whether that's Cossum's Diabolical Dark Web Podcast Network. They're not supposed Wherever to Wherever you that. listen, they, and people shouldn't 
yeah, I think they should go there anyway. That's yeah. that's for the real PT listener listens in. So that's make right. sure you go back and listen to previous episodes. Like I said, all resources and show notes are over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam. Peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 